0: This episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast is brought to you by Music Box Films, presenting Lost Illusions. experienced director Xavier Gionoli's lush adaption of Honoré de Balzac's seminal 19th century Paris-set epic novel of ambition and betrayal. One of 2022's most acclaimed French films, Lost Illusions won seven César awards, including Best Film. Don't miss the film The Guardian calls a period drama perfection in New York and Los Angeles theaters starting June 10th, including Film at Lincoln Center. Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a special programmer's preview of the 21st Open Roads New Italian Cinema, our annual series featuring a diverse and extensive lineup of contemporary Italian films. Join FLC assistant programmer Dan Sullivan in an overview of the hidden gems in this year's festival, taking place June 9th to 15th. Explore the lineup and filmmaker Q and A's, and get tickets at filmlink.org/openroads. After the preview, listen to a Q&A from the 59th New York Film Festival with Saul Williams and Anicia Uzeman on their main slate selection, Neptune Frost, moderated by NYFF director Eugene Hernandez. Multi-hyphenate and multidisciplinary artist Saul Williams brings his unique dynamism to this Afrofuturist vision, a sci-fi punk musical that's a visually wondrous amalgamation of themes, ideas, and songs that Williams has explored in his work notably his 2016 album Martyr Loser King. Co-directed with his partner, the Rwandan-born artist Anisia Uzeman, the film takes place amidst the hilltops of Burundi, where a collective of computer hackers emerges from within a Colton mining community, a result of the romance between a miner and an intersex runaway. Set between states of being, past and present, dream and waking life, colonized and free, male and female, memory and prescience, Neptune Frost is an invigorating and empowering direct download to the cerebral cortex and a call to reclaim technology for progressive political ends. Neptune Frost is now playing in select theaters.
1: Hello, I'm Dan Sullivan. I'm a programmer at Film at Lincoln Center and the programmer of Open Roads New Italian Cinema, our annual co-presentation with our esteemed colleagues over at Cina This year marks the 21st edition of Open Roads, our beloved uh, survey of the latest and greatest in Italian cinema. And I just wanted to introduce uh, this year's lineup a bit, just to make sure everyone's prepared for what I think should be a a very fun festival this year. So the dates for this year's Open Roads are June 9th to the 15th. Uh, Tickets are available now. Also, I want to call everyone's attention to the unsurpassed value of our all access passes. Uh, we have an all an access pass for, for the entire series, uh, which uh, is $89 a pop. And then we have uh, an all access pass for students, which is $45. And uh, with these passes, you can see all the films. So, um, so yeah, highly recommend those. By now, I think our audience is uh, is pretty familiar with the concept of open roads. But um, but this festival just attempts to survey everything that's been happening in Italian cinema over the past year and uh, to serve serve as a pretext for uh, bringing a lot of uh, exciting new Italian films uh, that haven't yet premiered in New York uh, to uh, to New York, to our to our audience, it's always a real pleasure to have this festival every year, and and to uh, call our audience's attention to uh, to new films coming out of Italy that perhaps uh, perhaps won't get the uh, the spotlight uh, that uh, maybe some other films would in in uh, festivals like New York Film Festival, New Directors, New Films, etc. Um, so, I think I'll just uh, go through. Uh, a handful of uh, of highlights uh, from the lineup. Um, for the complete listings and all the film descriptions and so on, you can head to our website, FilmLink.org. But for now, I'll just spotlight a few titles. And I want to begin with uh, Leonardo Di uh, The Inner The Inner Cage, which is screening on Sunday, uh, June 12th at 8:15, and on Monday, June 13th at 3:30. Um, This film uh, won a number of this year's David uh, di Donatello Awards, uh, including Best Original Screenplay and uh, Best Actor for uh, Silvio Orlando. Uh, This is Leonardo Di Costanza's uh, third fiction feature. Uh, It's intensely atmospheric and it is set within a mostly abandoned prison. Uh, We sort of follow um two sort of parallel groups uh within the prison one being of course the uh the guards uh the guards at this prison um whose captain is played by the great tony servio who's in a number of films in this year's uh open roads uh whereas the uh the inmates themselves uh kind of have a have their own version of that figure in the form of Orlando's uh, uh, incarcerated gangster uh, character. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, it's a very, uh, as I said, it's it's quite an atmospheric, uh, moody sort of uh, group uh, character study. Uh, and I think that uh, Di Costanza's uh, background uh, in documentary production, which preceded his work in fiction, uh, comes across quite strongly, uh, both in the film's uh, strong sense of materiality and uh, the feeling of of a time and a place and so on, but also uh, in his uh, commitment to kind of depicting the minutiae of working in a prison and being incarcerated in a prison. Um, so yeah, that is uh, that is the inner cage. Uh, moving along to uh, another film uh, that features uh, Tony Cervillo, uh Mario Martoni, uh, whose work we've shown uh, a number of times in open roads over the years, uh, is back this year with uh, The King of Laughter, uh, which uh, also uh, won a number of David Donatello awards this year. Um, this film is uh, is a period film. Uh, it, uh, is a biopic of the Neapolitan actor and playwright, uh, Eduardo Scarpetta. And it tracks uh, Scarpetta and his uh, troupe uh, from the, in the late 19th century on to the uh, early 20th century. And it begins as a sort of uh, backstage uh, uh, drama Um, That uh, slowly, as uh, things happen in in Scarpetta's life, uh, transitions into uh, having into something like a legal drama uh, after uh, Scarpetta is uh, sued uh, for plagiarism uh, for uh, writing a play, which is a spoof of a play of one of his contemporaries. Um, This film is... uh, just an utterly absorbing kind of tour de force of, of ensemble acting, um, Servio is of course, uh, especially masterful uh, in this film and uh, just as a as a portrait of a, of a major figure in Italian letters who's maybe um, not, uh, perhaps uh, doesn't have the uh, sort of profile or what have you uh, that he deserves here in the United States. Uh, you won't wanna miss, uh, miss this film. Moving along uh, to a, uh, a debut feature uh, from Hleb Papu, uh, we have The Legionnaire, um, which is uh, a kind of uh, political uh, drama, uh, albeit one that we don't tend to see uh, so often from Italian cinema in that it deals very uh, concertedly with uh, race. In latter-day Italy, uh, the film follows the lone Afro-Italian member of the uh, Roman uh, riot police, uh, a guy named Daniel, who uh, seemingly has uh, a pretty nice life uh, for himself uh, and a, and and a career and 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 a pregnant wife, so he's a kid on the way and so on. Uh, but he enters into kind of internal and external uh conflict when his uh unit is tasked with uh clearing a tenement building uh which happens to uh contain his daniel's childhood home indeed uh his parents uh are still squatting there um and uh, along with his uh younger more uh left-wing idealistic uh brother um who has problems with his brother's line of work in the first place, so it's a ve- This is a very, uh, a very, I think, sensitively, kind of, intelligently crafted uh, political parable um, that I think uh, spotlights a part of or an aspect of uh, contemporary Italian society that we haven't seen uh, so often in uh, open roads or outside of open roads. So. Um, so you'll definitely want to catch The Legionnaire, which is screening on Saturday, June 11th at noon uh, with a Q&A with Fleb Papu. And then on Wednesday, June 15th at 4 p.m. Uh, moving on uh, over the years, we've shown a number of films by the, uh, the legendary uh, Taviani brothers. And this year, uh, Paolo Taviani uh, will be represented in this year's uh, Open Roads. Uh, with his first solo feature since his uh his brother and filmmaking partner vittorio uh passed away in 2018 uh his new film is entitled leonardo audio and it's a fascinatingly uh bisected or bifurcated uh film that the film's first half uh concerns an attempt to relocate the uh, pirandello's ashes uh, from rome to uh sicily uh in accordance with his his wishes before his death uh but then um taviani fascinatingly uh takes a left turn and this and whereas the first half of the film uh had been in black and white and has in his uh kind of historical uh, uh story the second half of the film is in color and it is a uh, adaptation of pirandello's final story uh the nail which um follows uh sort of the lead up to in the fallout from the the murder of a young girl by a uh by a young sicilian uh boy in new york um so i think suffice it to say this film will be of interest to uh to fans of the taviani brothers um but i think it's it's a really uh bold and ambitious um, for solo feature for, for Paolo Taviani. So that's screening Monday night at June 13th uh, at 9 p.m. And then Wednesday, June 15th at 1 p.m. Uh, <clears throat> we do have uh, we always make room for documentaries and open roads. And uh, we are very lucky to be sh- uh, showing uh, a new film by uh, another returning filmmaker uh, Federica Di Giacomo um her latest film uh, is entitled Unfinished and it is another kind of group portrait of sorts it follows uh it it portrays a uh a, an artist commune in Rome uh operated out of a the, out of a uh, a palazzo uh owned by um uh an artist uh named Moro who uh, sort of provides free room and board to uh, artists who, uh, who help him, in turn, uh, with uh, his life's work, which is uh, a never-ending film production. Um, when Moro passes away, uh, it leaves uh, his friends and collaborators kind of wondering, uh, number one, what's going to happen to uh, where we live, and number two, uh, who will complete uh, Moro's film. Uh, Di Giacomo herself was uh, an occasional member of the community depicted uh, in the film uh, and here with unfinished uh, she ha- she's crafted another um, uh, really fascinating sort of unforgettable uh, portrait of of an artist uh, with the idiosyncratic practice uh, his milieu and uh, I think it poses a number of really interesting uh, questions about uh, the life, the lives of artists, about uh, collaboration, and about whether uh, an artwork is ever truly uh, finished. So that is screening on Sunday, June 12th at 2.15 PM. And uh, Federica Di Giacomo will be there for a QA. and a And then finally, uh, the last thing I'll highlight is uh, that this year's uh, we. We've tried where possible to, uh, to make some room in open roads for a repertory uh, screening uh, just to connect the past of Italian cinema to its present. Uh, and this year is no exception. We're going to be doing a, uh, a tribute uh, to the late, great Monica Vitti, uh, one of the most iconic uh, actors in all of cinema, but especially Italian cinema. And so on Wednesday, June fifteenth at six thirty PM, we'll be presenting a special thirty-five millimeter screening of one of her signature roles uh, under the direction of her uh, longtime collaborator uh, Michelangelo Antonioni. Uh, we'll be showing Red Desert. Uh, 1964, um, the seminal eco-psychological nightmare film, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, but if you're not, in the film, Vidi plays Juliana, who is the wife of uh, an industrialist, and they live in this kind of barren, toxic, uh, dystopic uh, wasteland. The film sort of charts Juliana's uh, psychic collapse, but it also um, is very much about uh, the environmental uh, basis for uh, for what she's enduring uh, psychically. Uh, this is, it's of course uh, Antonioni's first film uh, in color, and and his and cinematographer Carlo Di Palma's uh, approach to working with color in this film is uh, is legendary. Uh, they they produce stark images that uh, that really just con under this world where the, the external uh, very much reflects the, the kind of uh, decadence and soul sickness of, of the interior. Uh, and uh, suffice it to say, this is uh, VD's performance here is, uh, is one of the great performances I, I'd say in all of cinema, uh, not just Italian cinema. So again, that's on Wednesday, June 15th at 6.30 p.m. And again, it's on, uh, they'll be shown on 35 millimeter. So uh, I think for now, I'm I'm gonna leave it there. Um, We hope to see you uh, uh, during open roads. Uh, Again, the dates are June 9th to June 15th. Uh, Again, if all of this sounds uh, appealing or intriguing to you, I highly recommend uh, buying an all access pass and yeah. Hope to, see you, hope to
2: see you at the movies. All
3: right. Thank you. Welcome back. Unanimous gold mine. <laughs> thank
2: you.
4: Thank you for sharing this with us.
2: <laughs> thank you for inviting us. It feels uh, completely surreal to be here. And, and we're so grateful for each and every one of you here. So thank you.
4: I think for all of us who had a chance, either today or, in my case, a few months ago, to experience this work, it it um, it stays with you, and I find myself uh, thinking about it frequently. And I've been looking forward to the opportunity to sit down with the two of you to talk about it. And if we have a few minutes, I'll invite a couple questions from our audience as well. Um, I understand that the the broader piece of art, the broader work that contains and includes this film, um, began originally as a graphic novel and a, and a musical together. Uh, maybe you could share with us a little bit of the, the origin, the birth. Of course, seeds yes. where this comes from.
2: Yes, uh, it's true that this piece is conceived as a graphic novel, which is still in play. Actually, the name of the graphic novel is Model Loser King. It comes out through first, second books in uh, 2022. And, uh, and we originally conceived of uh, the story as a stage musical. Um, we wanted to take it to Broadway. Uh, and we started working on the script, uh, Nizi and myself. And, um, and we had uh, producers um, that, that uh, by the way, you know uh, some of our producers are here, uh, Mr. Stephen Hendel, uh, Juliet and Walter Pryor. We want to thank them. Um, Yes, we had, we had producers that, that said, uh, you know, this sounds like a great vision. I'd feel more comfortable supporting if it were a film. And, you know, maybe we spent a few months being resistant and then slowly it dawned on me like, this could be a fucking awesome film. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>.
4: <laughs> so, well, let me, let me take a step back. Tell me about how the two of you first met and then let's talk about some of the early conversations you had Anisia, about uh, some of the ideas we start to see. You we, we, we were exploring at the very beginning of the
3: process. Um, so we met on um, on a film of Alain Gomis uh, called "Te" uh, in Senegal, um, and um, some of the inspiration of of uh, for this film actually um, came to your mind. So while we were shooting that movie in Senegal uh, in Dakar. And I think uh, what was of what was what was um, outstanding for you over there was that um, young kids would be out there with super modern technology like beats and computers, headphones, and and, you know, um, and then um, at six o'clock at six p.m. they would go and rehearse like the traditional drums together, and so there would be. Mixture between um, that tradition and that technology and modernity, and so I think that's something that. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: that was that was definitely one of the uh, the starting points of 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 you know it's at the moment when I was. First starting to learn um, also about uh Colton and and the precious minerals, you know, that are found uh within our smartphones and laptops and drones and, and you know, uh and making the connection between that and, and the history of those resources from sugar to cotton to you know, all of these things. And uh and then yeah, while we were in Senegal seeing people, uh young kids, you know, like with beats headphones and building drums was like it was just a, a beautiful juxtaposition and thinking of of the fact that that so much of our modern day technology is is still based on this sort of analog exploitation, um, and and this, that was one of the influences. Yeah, and then
3: we we started to talk about. I mean, it's about that time also that you had the Arab Spring, you had so much things going on with. You know,
2: um. anti-gay laws across the continent that were pretty much sprung from American evangelicals that would go to countries and say, we dangle money and say, we want to give money, mm-hmm. you know, to your to your country. Um, but if you pass this gay law, which they wouldn't pass here, um, but, uh, you know, this anti-gay law, then, then we get to see it in action. And you were seeing these sorts of things happening. And so there were a lot of things that were like bustling up. And the question was, how can we talk about all of this stuff at once? And it was
3: all happening also at once on our, you know, feed, timelines. Timelines. So that was, um, um, yeah, an interesting. um, So then there was also that question of um, e-waste camp, right?
2: Yeah, that was a huge thing. Another huge discovery was the discovery of e-waste camp. So then the realization that, you know, the question of where does our tech go to die? and learning about these huge village-sized camps where you would find old laptops, monitors, towers, and all this stuff, and and the people that would make a living, um, you know, scavenging there to retrieve copper or whatever they could from computer waste. Um, and so thinking of the idea between, like, well, the stuff that's used to build the computers is mined from the ground, and then when the computers, after they've been used, they're brought back, like the planes that fly out the minerals fly in the e-waste and and so those connections were. So
3: the the village of Digitaria was born of that idea. Yeah, exactly. So, what would young people you know um, that you know w- w- would what would they talk about and what would they do with um, with those two antagonism right with sleeping on the richest mineral and then also being surrounded by. You know the the rest of it of it, right? So it's
2: um yeah yeah
4: yep. yeah. <laughs> share with us. Uh, you touched on it a second ago, and share with us more about the origin of this 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 name, this term. Is it Mart- martyr, loser, king?
2: Yeah, and where that came from. There's a story <laughs> behind it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. Um, at the time, I was living in Paris, and and um, and so someone with their French accent actually had said something like, uh, you know, uh, yes, we we love, you know, uh, the 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 work of Martin Luther King, okay. and, <laughs> and and uh, I was like, I knew what they meant, but I was like. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. And so first, I mean, actually, I don't know, I don't know if I've shared this story before, but the first thing that came up at the time, I was asked by Nickelodeon to write some um some poems for Black History Month that would air on Nickelodeon. And so I'd written some some children's poems, imagining kids, like, lose Louisa King, we learned about, you know, like this sort of thing. And uh, and my my book agent, literary agent loved it and was like, we need to do a whole book on this. And, and the letters that she received of people offended, um, I still kept working on it. And so it turned into <laughs> this, you know, then I was learning about like these hackers with names like Gucci fur and <laughs> what have you. And I was just like, okay, we gotta have some, you know? And so, yeah, so it's then just a play on hearing. You know, as you see there, it's like Mataluza is Mataluza, but what Neptune hears, you know.
0: <laughs>
4: Let me ask you to, to share with us, there, There's there's so much, the imagery, the sounds, the combinations of all of those mixed with the design approach that you're taking. I would love to know from each of you before we talk a little bit more about that um, your collaborators i 'd love to know about some of the creative works that shape that have shaped you. What have been creative works in your life that have that when you look back were sort of like touchstones or turning points or or illuminating moments in your own kind of creative development
3: well for for this for this film, I was really um, um we were really talking about yeah that that you know place between technology and um um economy, right? And so um works that 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 talked to me at that point were like um people who were making films with um uh, very few lights, for instance. Uh, Key lights um, who were um, uh, developing a universe um, around almost nothing, and so um, Wonka Way was definitely somebody that I really uh, that that really inspired me, also for his use of um, colors and um, the the you know the the feelings that he gave, that he's giving in using colors. Uh, how to reach um, a mood, how to reach, uh, um, you know, an idea uh, through colors. And I, 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 I do, yeah, it was really important for me and also f- um, in the approach of um, filming those skins and, and, and that decor and that greenery and all of that. It was really inspiring. Um, I was really inspired too by um, by Yenas, the film of um, uh, Mamberti you know uh, for its way its narration really faci- i mean it's it's very um uh a very interesting intricate story um but super simple nonetheless and i thought it was really um the the color palette is just beautiful also and i, I thought it was really free and and I, I was also inspired by by yeah how how do you free a space how do you How do you express that? Um, Yeah, Tarkovsky, of course, Mm -hmm. Um, for the science fiction side, Um, with nothing how can you, you know, emulate a space that is out of space and and nonetheless very much present, Mm -hmm. so yeah.
2: Yeah, and if you haven't figured it out, Anisia is not just the co-director, but she was the director of photography as well. For me, um, I grew up in New York, um, and (laughs) my references um, are not as cool. Um, (laughs) You know, there are things, you know, like there's, there's the artisanal quality of Jesus Christ Superstar, the film, you know, so that when you see those actors arrive on a bus and put on their costumes in front of you, and you see the swords made of aluminum foil and all of this stuff, but by the time the thing gets going, and you're in it, that was always has been something very important for me in terms of how to just do that slight trick, you know? Um, uh, then there's stuff like, uh, you know, I wanted to, to, to have a film where where people might feel compelled to move and what have you, and I had an amazing experience uh, in, in Newburgh, New York, where I grew up um, as a kid. Um, yeah, when Beat Street was in, the the hip-hop classic, Beat Street, was in theaters. Um, It was was on screen in Newburgh, and I remember that, you know, in front of the stage, like here, there was a wooden, in front of the screen, there was a wooden stage, and while we were watching the film, all the local breakdance crews were breaking. Mm -hmm. So we were watching people break and the film at the same time. And I'm just like, that energy which is still the craziest shit I've ever seen. (laughs) You know, there's that. Um, Then there's uh, Serafina. Uh, which I saw on Broadway like seven times. And so the fusion of music, politics, the question for me has always been like, as music progresses, you know, and, and, and you know, we bring hip hop to the stage and all this stuff, why don't we bring the music too? Like, why do we have to have the, pack- the sound packaging of Roger and Hammerstein? Why can't, it, why can't we have 808s? Why can't it be more hardcore? You know what I'm saying? And so those were goals and references for me. There's a lot more we could talk about, but it starts there. thank you thank you well of course we only have
4: five minutes left but i want to get questions from the audience and give you a chance to engage with our artists on on this stage if you rate okay i can see a hand right here hello question is about how the impact of knowing that someone can watch this again it's it's a great question about so the longevity of a creative a creative work when you decide to adapt it to the screen or the cinematic form versus a a play or something else that might be might people might not have the ability to go back and experience it how did you think about that
2: i mean once we dove into the idea of this story as a film we dove all the way in (laughs) right the yeah. amount of time the the, the color palettes the lookbooks the, the the collection of images and ideas i promise you you didn't see everything that's in this film you probably didn't check the shoes the wooden statues as guns <laughs> there's so much stuff so yes we definitely were thinking about repeated viewings and, think, and 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 also the 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 idea of archiving and documentation you know the fact that 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 you know we shot we started shooting on f- February uh, 3rd, uh, 2020, and we wrapped on March 4th, 2020. Rwanda shut down on March 8th, 2020, okay? When we flew back with the hard drives and finally, after a bit, got to see the dailies and we're like, okay, because we didn't have time while we were shooting to actually see the dailies, the fact that it was there, like, oh shit, it's there, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: and for me, there is, the, there is that beautiful feeling that I have with a film that is that we were able to film in Rwanda, and to film those actors, and so also to bring Rwanda here is, is, is that what film can do, and it's very beautiful for me. Yeah.
2: For all of us. In,
4: in, in just a couple of moments we have left, a couple of minutes we have left, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to shout out. There's so many names we saw on the screen. It's yeah. not fair to ask you to pick just you know, a couple, but shout out some of your key collaborators and what, um, what they brought to the, to the process. There's a couple that I think...
3: Yes. Uh, Cedric, Cedric Mizero. Cedric Mizero yes who is a 25 years old a genius um, random designer who did amazing what
2: Cedric brought to this film cuz it's not just the costumes right yeah. it's the it's the production design. design the set design the whole nine and he selected his crew of artists a collective of artists that he brought to you know to work on this thing uh his vision is extraordinary yeah. um yeah, yeah cedric mizero is his name um yeah uh and and so from there you have uh, the hair and makeup is done by lady soulfly um aka uh tania melendez um uh the sound in rwanda was done by eugene safali uh our sound designer here uh it was blake lee who i think blake? is in the house are you uh, here yep and yep. skip leavesay who mixed it yes. um of course there's also uh the, our amazing actors uh who are all extraordinary artists and performers in their own right um
3: Kaya Free,
2: Kaya Free, who he plays, plays Mataluza, Mataluza, who is an is,
3: amazing rapper.
2: Is an amazing rapper from Burundi.
3: Shirley um, Sheja,
2: who uh, plays Neptune, is an extraordinary singer, dancer, performer. Um, you he have
3: also Cecile Kariebwa, who is um, our um, Cesaria Ivora, <laughs> yeah. uh, who plays the nun and who who is making her first appearance in the film and she is uh, seventy and over. <laughs> yeah, and so it's, extraordinary. A, it's an honor to have her yeah. in in uh, this film.
2: Yeah, the, I mean, there's all, every it's the cream of the crop of extraordinary Burundian and Rwandan artists that all worked on this fu- film. Our entire crew, R- Rwandan and Burundian, we worked with a hundred people traveling around the country. Um, uh, Chris Schwager, extraordinary, um, who
3: created the lights with me. Yeah. yeah. He's a, a Photographer, amazing yeah. photographer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's 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 that 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 full the full region was there with with yeah. with you know talents from Kenya, talents from Burundi, from Rwanda. Um, yeah.
2: And then there's some musicians I worked with. Um, so in in the sound you'll hear uh, my peeps, the Dragons of Zinth. You'll hear my boy Ganja Sufi. You'll hear uh, some work by. Uh, Ted Hearn, um, you'll, you'll hear, um, uh, there's so many people, uh, (laughs) My Bride is Diamond, um, yeah, it goes on and on and on and on, so... Yeah, there's a bunch of musicians. And that's, for me, that was one of the biggest things about realizing that a film was possible was, was the realization that a film is collaborative. Mm-hmm. So it's not expected for you to have to do everything. Um, you know, even if at times... <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you are. <laughs> Look, the, this film is at the
4: very beginning of its journey. It is really special for us to have the opportunity to be part of its early, an early chapter of its journey, but um, the future of this film is in your hands, too. Tell yes, it friends. is.
2: And I don't mean to cut you no, off, please. but I do just want to say it. The future of this film is in your hands. And if you like it, tweet about it. If you don't like it, call somebody, you know? Just, <laughs> call, just call them and tell them, you know? Yeah.
4: <laughs> Thank you, Anicia Oseman, Saul Williams. Congratulations.
0: This episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast is brought to you by Music Box Films, presenting Lost Illusions, experienced director Xavier Giannulli's lush adaption of Honoré de Balzac's seminal 19th century Parisian epic novel of ambition and betrayal. One of 2022's most acclaimed French films, Lost Illusions won seven César awards, including Best Film. Don't miss the film The Guardian calls a period drama perfection in New York and Los Angeles theaters starting June 10th, including Film at Lincoln Center.